0: I'm Audrey Hollenberg-Duffy, and I'm
1: her husband Tim Hollenberg-Duffy.
0: We are a married couple doing pastoral ministry together under the faith umbrella of Anabaptism and Radical Pietism, more specifically in the Church of the Brethren, and most importantly, for Jesus.
1: We've always enjoyed chats about faith life because we found in each other a companion that gets us, even when it doesn't feel like we fit in the boxes of American life or mainstream American Christianity.
0: We believe the Church is crucial to faith and practice, and yet also accept that religious institutions are crumbling.
1: We believe being disciples of Jesus Jesus rarely fits a pre-made container,
0: so join us for our meanderings
1: as we try to find a faithful Jesus way forward. Welcome to this episode of Coffee with the Pastors, the podcast. As always, we open with this great question about where have you seen God recently? So, Audrey, where have you seen God recently?
0: Well, uh, as I was thinking about this, um, I was reflecting on two particular instances that I've been welcomed into recently where two women different ages have been exploring a a stirring for a call to ministry. And I've been invited, one in in a more formal way, one in an informal way, Hmm. uh, into the conversation as they've been thinking about that. Um, And, you know, that's always an exciting time you think back to your own sense of call and your own moments where you felt that clarity, but also knowing that God is so active in someone's life as they're
1: mm-hmm. thinking about
0: it is is profound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Tim? When have where, where have you or when have you noticed God recently?
1: Well, believe it or not, God showed up at a committee meeting recently. No, I know God
0: doesn't do
1: that. I didn't think God showed up at committee meetings. No, the worship committee meeting this past week. We had it in person for the first time in a long time. I'm a big fan of in-person meetings. I know a lot of people aren't. <laughs> but um, we got this, like, we hit this breakthrough of being able to have really rich, spirit-led conversation about why we do worship and or what are the essentials then of worship, right? Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know. In in all committee life, aren't we always just kind of living in the checking off the, the boxes of what we're supposed to do to make sure this thing keeps going, mm. right? And this was kind of one of those moments of pause. <laughs> what is worship for, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Praise and adoration of God. The community, the body of Christ experiencing connectivity mm. with one another and God at the same time. How can we best foster an environment for this to happen right it was like oh and those are exciting conversations to me but it was really clear i mean we needed that kind of breakthrough moment of of the spirit's presence to take us to take us there cool so, so we're continuing down this uh uh series on the podcast of looking at the brethren ordinances right those things ordered in scripture for us to do last week we talked about anointing and this week we're going to talk about baptism yeah baptism so i thought we might start with uh scripture today where Mm -hmm. we get this right and baptism in the new testament we see this with john the baptist or the baptizer john was not a baptist they didn't have those back then (laughs) but he baptized people (laughs) a lot of people i think um early in the gospels and The reason for for the baptism of John was preparing the way for this Messiah to come, right? And so Jesus comes, and Jesus is baptized too, and you get that.
0: Why was Jesus baptized?
1: That's a good question, right? I mean, I don't know. It's like, uh, (laughs) baptized, what sins had he forgiven that needed cleansing? Nah, uh, nothing. (laughs) Right? The baptism of Jesus was maybe reminds us all that baptism is more than just uh, cleansing of sin. Baptism is... uh, is an initiation into the church, into the body of Christ, right? Into Mm -hmm. this mission of God.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Right? Mm -hmm. So, anyway.
0: Side note. Side
1: note, yeah. (laughs) We get it ordered to us by Christ in Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of this age. Mm. Right. So Jesus orders us uh, to do this. The references to baptisms, clearly the church was doing them, because they continue in Paul's letters, a reference made in the book of Acts as well to People in an entire households being baptized, uh, commemorating, recognizing this moment of faith commitment, faith covenant, and the beginning of this life in, in Christ and connection to the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so practically speaking, uh, for the brethren, um, because of that I, Matthew 28 Great Commission, we do baptism with three dunks three
1: dunks
0: (laughs) three dunks Uh, just literally because father son and holy spirit right right. so they each member of the trinity gets a dunk that's right right. (laughs) and this this act of baptism is usually reserved for a person that uh, is mature enough or old enough to make that decision themselves so that's a way of saying that we don't do it for babies. Right. Now, we can have a whole big conversation, and maybe we can talk about some of the nuance here about what that looks like for an actual human being wanting to be baptized. What does it look like to be of age and mature enough? The Um, age
1: of accountability, right? Some people call it the years where... You magically become so autonomous that you can make such a huge decision. Because it is. right? It's a huge decision. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And I believe.
0: Or at least it should be. It should be a life-altering decision. Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: And so, yeah. How old do you have to be? Well, maybe we should just be baptized on our deathbed. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) do we do it? (laughs) No. No. But, you know, we have this practice in a lot of churches that it's like sixth graders. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, receiving a letter or an invitation to consider it? Is that an appropriate age? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> right? I was baptized as a sixth grader, and I can honestly say that I was in love with Christ and the church, right? And it was very meaningful um, for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Was my understanding of the way of Jesus uh, as formed then as it is now? No. no. But is my <laughs> understanding of The way of Jesus now, as formed as it might be in another 30 years, right? No, probably not. So at what point is that appropriate moment? Does it matter? Right. I think so.
0: But also, you know, it's uh, the baptism moment isn't a culminating moment. We'll yeah. get into this, I think, here in a little bit. It's not a culminating moment. It's an initiating moment. And so the f- it's a commitment to be formed in the way of Christ. It's not saying um, that either up until this point and now I'm fully formed. Right. <laughs> or to say, like, this moment forms me. Uh, it's It's one of many formative moments into the life of discipleship. And so... You know, maybe it's fine for a sixth grader to make a commitment to kind of take a step of many steps. Yeah. There are also certainly times where peer pressure or parent pressure.
1: Sixth graders? Middle school is rotten. With, oh, it's uh, awful. Peer pressure, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so are they making a decision fully f- fully aware? Maybe not. And
1: and, 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 and yet, yet again,
0: maybe that's still okay in that you Our know,
1: communities also form us, right? right? And so whether intentional pressure or not.
0: Yeah. So it's it's hard to say and, and there there should be no magical age where we're like, Okay, now every single person in your church is capable of yeah. making this It'd decision. It'd be
1: nice though if we had that.
0: It would be. It would you make have to make I like your to...
1: decision by the time you're <laughs> sixteen. <laughs> 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 In or out? Yeah. No, that was no, that that terrible. terrible. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Sixteen-year-olds,
0: and <laughs> I think there's also. A, yeah, I don't want to. I
1: don't. Remember. I don't want to go back to those. Years. No, no.
0: There, I think there's also something to be said about the communal aspect that gathers around someone that maybe has differing abilities mm-hmm. that would not be able to make the same choice that. Uh, you know you or I would be able to make Um, we had that conversation when we baptized someone with Down Syndrome the conversation there was this person is already a follower of Christ that is embedded in this particular community this person is already baptized in the spirit we need to honor that by baptizing them physically
1: right just and, because they, they're they not going to be able to take the class. Right. Right. Does that matter?
0: Right. No. Mm-hmm. While, while I appreciate the desire of the brethren to leave this decision, to be baptized, to someone who can make that decision, there are all sorts of caveats. Yeah. Unto are. what that looks like when it comes down to an actual person. Right. And I think, you know, that's where things get gray and should be a little more nuanced. So
1: this raises the other interesting question of rebaptism, right? right? What about that sixth grader who comes to discover when they're 19 that, uh, hmm, that didn't really mean anything to me. But now I think I'm sensing the calling, right? Mm-hmm. Or the passion, the urge to, to make a public demonstration of my faith in the waters of baptism.
0: Yeah, and that, I think that's been traditionally frowned upon. Yeah, right. It's it's something that
1: it's almost deemed unnecessary. Right. Like, okay, you've come a long way in your faith. That's fine. Yeah. We expect that to happen. You don't need to to do the the show again. Right, right,
0: yeah, and, and and because there's a performative nature, and I don't mean mm-hmm. that in a inauthentic way, sure there there's a performative nature to baptism that I think is significant, especially as a, a you know kind of a rite for, yeah. for for church living that is not always doesn't fully capture the work of the heart, right, and so you know there there again, it's kind of like,, ugh, I can understand why there's hesitancy. Um, some people have thought about oh, we're gonna talk next time about love feast and the act of feet washing and that kind of cleansing act could be a mini baptism that you perform once, twice a year. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, you can redirect mm-hmm. such desires into that practice. But, you know, I'm I'm not above having that hard conversation with an individual sure. and trying to discern with them. Maybe there there is something transformative. That can happen in this now that couldn't happen then.
1: Right. Well, it's almost like, I think for some traditions that have a heavy emphasis in baptism being the purification for your sins, right? The cleansing waters that, okay, once this has happened, no. it's not necessary. Yeah.
0: That act is, has done its purpose. You
1: are you are clean. Just go to God with with repentance in your heart and we don't need to do baptism again, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, I get that.
0: There's also... Uh, historically in the brethren, the act of baptizing new brethren that have come from other Christian denominations.
1: Maybe infant baptism or Catholicism. Right,
0: to be... Mm -hmm. And and I think, again, we'll get into this here in a second. All of this is intertwined. But um, because the brethren see such a communal approach to baptism, there's a desire for some to be baptized into the particular body of Christ that they are becoming a part of. And so it's just as much a profession of my faith as it is our faith-forming together.
1: So let's get into, because we're going to move into some of these real particulars about the way we do it. And some of these are going to come up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the way that the Brethren have talked about baptism, this is a particular quote from the Brethren website. They've got these really great resources for the ordinances or practices of the church of the brethren um so this is a part of what it says being baptized in public celebrates that we have received god's forgiveness so that's part of it Uh and then there's this other part of it baptism symbolizes our participation in the church the body of christ Uh so you kind of have these dual
1: for me for us yes Uh and
0: then why water (laughs) Um, and this is this goes beyond the fact that Water is obviously used in scripture. There's also in scripture baptism of the spirit that mm. seems to accompany water. Brethren, don't try to figure all that out. We're very practical theologians. <laughs> yes, um, but why, why water? Water has this cleansing and life-giving tone to it. Um and so this this same resource says entering the water reminds us that God washes us clean and coming out of the water we enter into a renewed life of following Jesus. Hmm. And so this the use of water both in scripture and how it's continued to be used today in the church is really rooted in a Jewish practice of ritual cleansing in these baths called mikveh. It was a kind of stone carved out into the ground where there was water you came down in the came down steps performed the cleansing ritual and came back out often it was in response to coming across something unclean or it could be before uh, going to the temple and participating in one of the ritual ceremonies of the year. You would need to be ritually cleansed to be able to participate in those. And so uh, when John the Baptist uses these in, in preparation for Christ, it's, I think, reminiscent of that Jewish practice of ritual cleansing uh, so that's that's why water.
1: So bring up another resource from the Church of the Brethren, the For All Who Ministers Minister Manual, suggests uh, seven particulars for baptism. One, that baptism is a response to God's saving act in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Our response to this saving grace, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obedience to what Jesus ordered. That's That's Matthew 28. That's the ordinance Mm -hmm. language
0: right there. Yeah.
1: Uh, Symbol of cleansing and new life. That's the water. That's the water. Public witness of the covenantal relationship with God.
0: It's an outward expression of an inward process. That's right. That's the language I know I have heard drilled into me and and repeated many times yeah
1: well yeah this is meant to be public yes right a number five initiation right into the church the body of christ yes this is for more than just you
0: yes this is why we don't do it in private
1: right (laughs) Number six, ordination to ministry. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. So upon your baptism, you enter the priesthood, yep. right? You're to be a minister now in your life and your work to the neighbors right. in this world, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not to say that baptism is only for clergy.
1: <laughs> no, all of everybody. Those. Anyone who wants to be a disciple of Christ is also is therefore
0: ministering minister. through their life.
1: And the last one they list is baptism is a beginning. Yeah. Right? It's not the end of your faith development and learning and discipleship, right? right. It is a choice at the beginning to endeavor upon this new life right. of faith and practice,
0: right? There's there's a couple of those that probably feel pretty standard, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Cleansing a new life. Right. That's probably pretty universally held in yeah. the Christian world. And
0: and a response to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that saving act, right? Yeah. Those feel pretty um universal in terms of what baptism is. What are what do you think are the ones that are particulars to our community? Well, this
1: whole this whole concept of, of the community, as you said earlier, we don't do baptisms in private. Mm -hmm. right? Because this is for all of us, right? right? In fact, in the worship where somebody will be baptized, the congregation makes a covenant with that person to be there as they endeavor on this life of faith, Mm -hmm. to be brothers and sisters on the way, to be teachers and wise counsel and friends, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And Um, that's actually in response to the vows that the person getting baptized makes. It's not just about I mean, the, it kind of starts with this profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right. And then that kind of continues into this commitment to be present for the church. Right. So the the baptizee makes that commitment to the church, and then the church stands up and responds back right. a commitment to them.
1: You can't do that in private, right? No. Or just in your family or something like that, right? right? We're not going to have... Uh, a saturday baptism where you show up with your parents and your brothers and sisters and that's it right, right? no that's not being baptized into the church that's a particular emphasis here right. right that this is about all of us when you make your decision it's a decision that affects us all and there and
0: one, and one we welcome one, that
1: together exactly too. Yeah.
0: and one i think the be- another beautiful element to that is that Often in the the liturgy that we have around the baptism is an invitation for the one bearing witness to the baptism to remember their own baptism. Yeah, and so it's an opportunity for them to think back to that moment for each person when they committed themselves wholeheartedly to the way of Jesus and community. So it's it, there's. It's again. It's never about just the one person who is making the faith commitment that day. There are so many different elements for why it should be a corporate moment.
1: Right. The other, the other one that I would in particular point out is this: the nature of this being a threshold crossed, right, a beginning into something wholly new. Um, namely being a part of the priesthood of all believers, right? Yeah. And I think in a lot of, in a lot of pop culture references, even to, to baptism, it's, it is like this end all be all kind of, kind of moment a a lot like other, um, rites of passage can be
0: like a graduation, Yeah. which is a celebration of what you've accomplished
1: less. So what you're going into, right? Right. Um, uh some, some higher ed, I think there is some celebration of what you're moving into. Yeah, but...
0: that's kind of represented by that tassel pass, right? You go sure. from one side to the other. Uh, you know, I would liken it more to an orientation than a graduation. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> Baptism is very much, yeah, the orientation into this, into this life of faith. We've also kind of done that with wedding ceremonies too, right? We've built up so much for this thing. Thing, this singular event, and often
0: they're not prepared then for the ups and downs. Yeah, of
1: <laughs> we've forsaken like the fact that this is going to be the lifelong, the vows part, right? That we yeah. just kind of brush through
0: <laughs> <laughs> to get to the party at the yeah. end. Yeah, no, that's that's where the covenant-forming language that is a part of marriages is a part of baptisms. Is it's a a moment in time where you are making a commitment. Uh, right. On various levels of personal corporate eternal yeah. <laughs> commitments is a a starting point right when you make a promise that is uh something that goes into effect on that day and carries on not right not, It's not your work starts when you make a promise it doesn't end that's right well the, Once again, a really fun exploration of what makes baptism just a little bit different in the Church of the Brethren. Um, And I think this is a nice bridge between the first week where we talked about anointing and to where we're going to go next week when we talk about love feast and communion. Often those practices, at least traditionally in the Church of the Brethren, have been kind of what comes next after baptism. Anoint- mm-hmm. Anointing doesn't it doesn't really have a a requirement or an expectation of where you are in your own faith development. It can happen. You know, it can, a baby could be anointed, and sure. sometimes that's more for the person that is the bearing, parent. yeah, bearing witness to the anointing than it is the actual child. You, you know, you can be anywhere in your faith journey in anointing. Baptism seems to be this kind of next step in commitment. And then love feast and communion are kind of those discipling moments along Mm -hmm. the way that continue to draw us back to to key moments. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice progression.
1: But until next time, this has been Coffee with Pastors.
0: Live for the glory of God and our neighbor's
1: good. The primary purpose of this podcast is for conversation and faith exploration. It is intended for private, non-commercial use and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of any agency or organization. In this podcast, reference were made to the following resources. For all who minister, a worship manual for the Church of the Brethren, published by Brethren Press. Baptism information from www.brethren.org practices. The sign-off is a quote from Christopher Sowers Printing Press. Check out any of these things for more information.